This is Three Interesting Things. Hello and welcome to Three Interesting Things, a weekly podcast where we discuss the three most interesting things on the internet this week as determined by you. I am your host, Don Grant, joining me today in the co-host chair, host of the Starting Nowhere podcast, all the way from Tampa, Florida. Brandon, how you doing, my friend? I'm living a dream about yourself. How's the Great North? The, the Great White North is not white yet. It's, it looks like it's on the verge of being white sometime very, 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 very soon, which is, you know, a, a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. That's awesome. I have to say I grew up in Ohio, so uh, not too far from the Great White North. And that's exactly why I live in the South now. No more of that white for me. Well, it's funny, actually. One of the uh, in, in the very first episode of this show, one of the things we talked about was how many American states have uh, land that goes north of Canada's southernmost point. So I'll put you on the spot. Would you know the answer to that? How, so if you think about Canada's southernmost point, how many American states have a point that is north of that? So I know for a fact there's one. So I'm going to go with the 30% principle and assume that there's three. Okay. And the answer is 27. Jeez. Wow. Not even <laughs> kind of close. Isn't that crazy? Including California. How crazy is that? Are you ready to do this? Yes, sir. Let's get going. Thing one. Only 4% of the Air Force are pilots. When I first saw this, I thought, how is this even possible? In some ways, it makes sense because the Air Force obviously consists of so many people doing such a wide variety of jobs. But even when you take that into account, it seemed to me that four was an astonishingly low number. Now, if only I had someone who had a, a specific interaction with the Air Force that I could talk to. Do you, do you know anybody like that, Brandon? Well, by chance, you might just have one on the other side of this microphone, sir. <laughs> I uh, served two months shy of 11 years in the Air Force active duty. Did you know this before I sent you this fact? Like when, when you and I were planning what we were going to chat about today, I sent you this fact. Did this surprise you or were you like, yeah, that makes sense? Uh, I don't know if I knew the actual hard number, but I absolutely knew that it takes about 20 people to work on an airplane and one person to fly it. Right. And then, of course, all the people on the ground and various other people in terms of admin. But why why would that number be so low? Why only 4%? Well, because the Air Force has a lot of different missions that don't actually involve flying. And as I said before, you think about all the logistics that go into actually getting that plane in the air, not just from a perspective of mechanical, but you also have the people who actually acquire all the equipment. You have the people who protect the base. You have all these other uh, jobs that go into it. So when you think about the Air Force, think about it as an army with a lot of planes. So our primary mission involves planes, but that's not what everybody does. Now, the Air Force actually used to be a brand, it used to be the Army, right? The Air Force and the Army were essentially the same thing until 1947, correct? Uh, correct. And then we realized that we're way smarter than them, so we broke off. <laughs> but there's no competition at all. No, no, no. It, it's everybody who's ever served in the military can all knows that we have a ton of way that we show love and it's never positive. I must admit, I was surprised that the Air Force was founded so late. It was founded after World War II in 1947. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but considering the fact that uh, the air war was such a colossal part of World War II, I would have thought that the Air Force existed back then. Yeah, you would think so, but I think they actually uh, just had it as a different sect of the army, which you still see today. So until what was it, last year or two years ago or whatever, uh, before President Trump signed into effect the Space Force, the Air Force had the space mission. So you always see that when they're about to spin off a new branch, they have that specific part of the mission covered in another branch. Then eventually go, this is big enough to stand up its own branch and they spin it off. I'll do my best to steer clear of, of politics. But as somebody who is a you know 11-year veteran of the Air Force, what, what was your thought about Space Force when it was first announced? 
I thought it was absolutely idiotic. Uh, and here's why I say that. The, as I just alluded to, the Air Force already had a space mission. There was no reason to expand upon that in this specific uh, set of time. Now, some of the decisions, I think, were, were heavily involved in NASA kind of getting defunded and all that type of stuff and trying to take it into more of a military area. But I didn't see any reason to create a specific force when all you're going to do is fill it with people who are in the Air Force anyways. Why are you spending the money to go through all that? Well, I think the reason is pretty clear in that it's optics, right? It sounds sexy to say, hey, I founded Space Force. I think that's exactly what it is. It's something to put your name on because here's what I can say about politicians and military leaders both. They love to put their name on some kind of legislation or policy or something they can point to and say, hey, I did that. Well, hey, look, it worked for him because he got reelected. Oh, no, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> that is a point of contention right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe not by the time the show comes out. Who knows? We'll find Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so 4% are pilot. Were you a pilot? Did you fly? I, I was not, but I get asked that question as many times as a pilot does. You should just say that you did. I'm sure if you claim it, no one would, no one would know. I, I absolutely did lie to a 12-year-old child once. We were at a pool, um, and I was I, at the time I was on an Army post because uh, I was doing some training there, and he came up to me. He's like, oh, uh, he said something to me, and I said, oh, I'm in the Air Force. And then he's like, oh, do you fly planes? And I'm like, yes, because <laughs> I didn't want to go through the whole thing, talk to this kid about that and break his heart. And so he was just, like, amazed, and it was super cool. But funnily enough, like two weeks ago, I think it was, a guy who lives in my apartment complex downstairs when I was walking my dog asked me about what it was like to be inside of a plane. Didn't even He skipped the question if I was a pilot. He's like, what's it like to be inside of a plane? I'm like, have you never flown anywhere? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so he just knew you were in the Air Force, and that was the first question that came out. Correct, yeah, because I, I admit that I do have a, uh, a basic training shirt that I still wear from time to time. And so he saw that, right. and he's just like, oh, Air Force, and started immediately asking me questions that you would ask a pilot. I mean, the interesting thing is that the Air Force has a number of things that it still does. Of course, in about a month, it's going to be uh, keeping track of Santa. As we know, NORAD will <laughs> keep track of Santa, as they have since since 1955. That's the only reason to see uh, this service still in effect is because of that. Santa keeps us going. 90% of your funding comes from Santa. Yeah, I didn't know that when it comes to NORAD tracking Santa, there is a, there's a, a school of thought that actually says that that began because a young girl accidentally dialed an unlisted phone number in Colorado Springs, thinking that she was calling Santa Claus because she saw a promotion in a local newspaper. Did you hear this story? I haven't heard that story, but I believe it. I mean, there's there's some people who believe it and some people who don't. There was a colonel on duty that that evening named Harry Shoup, uh, and he was sort of quick to realize the mistake. And he he assured her that uh, CONAD, which is what NORAD was called at the time, would guarantee that Santa had a safe journey. And thus began this tradition from basically when NORAD was formed in 1958 up until now. That absolutely makes sense to me because that if you are a master of PR, then you see how you could spin that into putting the military in kids' minds at a young age in a very positive light and hopefully encouraging <laughs> them to join when they come of age. Which sounds really manipulative, but that's how marketing works, right? Now, when you were training, where did you train? Basic training was in Texas. And then I was in Maryland, uh, at, specifically at Fort Meade for my specific job training. And then I went back to Texas again for uh, job training back in 2010. I'm surprised that North Dakota didn't come up. Did you know that North Dakota was, is like the, the basically hub of most of the Air Force, apparently? Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I didn't know. Apparently, at the height of the Cold War, North Dakota was home to so many Air Force nuclear weapons that if it had seceded from the Union, it would have been the third largest nuclear power in the world. I have actually heard that fact before, but I want to I'd be remiss if I let you go by saying Cold War in North Dakota in the same sentence without noticing that that was that great pun. <laughs> The other thing that I came across when I was looking at all of these stats and all these facts about the Air Force and about the, the 4% thing, and I think I do this anyway, is that Air Force One is not an actual plane. Air Force One is just the call sign for the plane that the president is in. Did you know this? 
I, I don't think I did. No, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So most of the time, of course, the, the president is flying usually on the same plane or there's a there's a couple of different planes that look generally the same. But uh, according to the Air Force, any plane carrying the president of the United States immediately becomes Air Force One. It's the radio call name. So the president could be, you know, in a Cessna. And that all of a sudden becomes Air Force One, the same way that the, you know, the Marine helicopter is Marine One. Uh, That's very interesting. I mean, it makes sense with budget cuts and everything that he'd be in a Cessna eventually. (laughs) Thing two. And for thing number two, that is always the province of the guest host. Brandon, what is thing number two? The interesting thing number two is... Most products on Amazon are exactly the same. Okay. Now, now you said this to me and I, I sort of, I got you to explain it a little bit and I'm still a little bit unclear. So I'm going to play the role of the listener who heard you say that and said, what does that actually mean? Because if I wanted to go buy a USB cord right now, or I wanted to go buy some mayonnaise, I'm going to guess those are not the same products. So explain to me how most products on Amazon are exactly the same. So most of the products that you see on on Amazon are bought from overseas manufacturers. And what somebody like myself would do is called private labeling. So all I do is I create a brand name and packaging and marketing and all that type of stuff. And I go to that manufacturer, tell them to add my brand name to either the item itself if I want to pay extra money or maybe just the packaging. And then they ship me an item. Now, what's interesting is if you go to a lot of different products in certain categories, you can see that they look exactly the same. And that's because they're made by the same people. They're the exact same product, but you'll see the reviews vary based upon how successful the marketing campaigns largely have been. Oh, okay. So that essentially, if you'd be looking at five different versions of the same product, give me an example of a product. Uh, the number one, the one where this really got started, and you'll hear this used as an example of what not to do if you're trying to get into this business, is a garlic <laughs> press. A lot of the garlic presses are made by the exact same manufacturer under however many different brand names people are out there running with. And so there are five different brands of garlic press all of which are made by the same factory, assumably in China or somewhere like that. And but they but they're they're all getting different reviews because of the different marketing campaigns. Well, it's different marketing campaigns, and just because realistically, what you're talking about there is manufacturing. There's going to be some duds. So whether or not you get a dud has usually little to do with the brand uh, on Amazon. If you're talking about private labeling, it has little to do with the brand. It has more to do with did you just get a dud? Say if they have a 5% failure rate and you order 100 products, one of them is five out of them are going to be broken. Which brand did you get that broken product from? And now you're going to hate that brand, even though that brand is the exact same as the other one you go replace it with. And now you have a five-star review. So now is this something that a lot of just regular people do on Amazon is go and, and buy brands and turn them into their own and sell them on Amazon? I would say the entry point for Amazon, generally speaking, is what's called retail arbitrage, which is me buying something from a local store at, say, a clearance price and then going out on there and selling it for full price. But yeah, a lot of people like myself uh, go out there and try to do private labeling, which is the next step up or so from uh, retail arbitrage. So if I was to break it down, I would say retail arbitrage, which I just described, you go to Walmart or something like that and you buy an item, then resell it on Amazon. Then you have wholesaling, where I have a direct relationship with a manufacturer who gives me a bunch of products, say something like uh, Sterilite, plastic items or something like that. Then you have private labeling where I go direct to a manufacturer, generally speaking overseas, and I create my own brand to sell them under. So a lot of people, you're talking about people who work for a company that are doing this. So you're not talking about major brands when you're writing out saying, oh, you guys messed up my product. How dare you? That's like some guy in his garage who is just basically ordering it from China and then selling it to you. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a difference between you going down and buying whatever at Walmart and selling it and you ordering, you know, 5,000 garlic presses to be shipped to you so you can sell them on Amazon. Exactly. It's, it's funny, actually. It reminds me a little bit when you talk about the importance of branding and that you, that you don't actually make the product. It reminds me of the fact that Tommy Hilfiger, for example, does not make clothes. 
Tommy Hilfiger is just a brand. So if you ever buy Tommy Hilfiger jeans, you're actually buying peppy jeans. If you buy Tommy Hilfiger underwear, I think you're buying, uh, not Fruit of the Loom, I can't remember what the brand name is. But uh, so, so there's actually no such thing as a Tommy Hilfiger manufacturing plant because they do not make clothes. It's all about the branding. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a, a background on supply chain. So all that's kind of interesting to me, but it does get really nerdy. But you see that all the time with companies that do that, say Nike. Uh, everybody could, is aware that like a Nike top of the line, 200 plus dollar uh, Air Jordan or something like that is one shoe. But then you go down to your local uh, Walmart, Target, whatever the store nearest you is, and you can get a $20 Nike. Right. Those are made by the same company or the same manufacturers, but they are not the same uh, actual shoe. And so you get the idea that companies have that. Well, it also happens with the way they change their names as well. Well, look, you know, you have you have Honda and Acura, right? Those are those are the same company, but they're two different cars. And the, and I remember when I mm-hmm. when I bought my first car, it was a Honda. And I remember driving around town and seeing a lot of Acuras and noticing that the body of an Acura was pretty much identical to my Honda Civic. And I was going, wait a minute. Well, exactly. Like, you know who the number one car manufacturer in the world is by uh, cars sold? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. By cars sold? Yeah. Is it one that I've never heard of because it's in China? Oh, no, no. You've heard of this brand. And well, I mean, let me say this. We don't know each other that well. I absolutely assume you've heard of this brand. Okay. Uh, let's, let's say Volkswagen. It is Volkswagen. Oh, boom. Because people forget Volkswagen also owns Audi, of course, which is the most obvious one, but they own Porsche. They own Bugatti. They own, uh, oh man, what's the other brands? They own a lot of brands is the point. And so people don't realize that they're still driving what essentially is a Volkswagen. You literally can swap out parts in the Audi with a Volkswagen, but you just pay $20,000 more for an Audi. Well, speaking of which, Amazon owns their fair share of, uh, subsidiary companies as well. I didn't know Amazon owned, I should have known that Amazon owned Twitter. Twitch, but I did not know that Amazon owned Twitch. Yeah, it's a relatively recent acquisition. And what they're finally starting to do a lot of cross branding with it instead of uh, Twitch. Now they're, I think, uh, excuse me, they're calling a lot of the Twitch products now like Prime and stuff like that. So they're trying to start bringing that into the, the house as well, which they do with a lot of it. But just one last thing I thought, uh, just because this one was interesting and I learned this recently. Right now I'm talking to you through a Blue Yeti mic. Do you know who owns Blue Yeti? Let me answer that to you. By speaking into my Blue Yeti mic. <laughs> Is it Amazon? No, no. That would be really great, right? Oh, yeah, no. No, Logitech. Logitech owns Blue. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's funny because Logitech is obviously a peripherals company. Why wouldn't they just call it Logitech? But no, no they bought Blue and they're like, we're going to keep that branding because people know and trust that name. I was going to say, I, I I would imagine it was not a situation where they started up the brand. It was one where they gobbled it up because they got so big. Absolutely. But the last thing I'll say on the Amazon topic, uh, or I mean, we'll probably talk more about it. But the last thing for this is that... Uh, most of the time when you're buying stuff on Amazon, unless it's specifically like a major brand product or something like that, and even when it is, you might be buying it for somebody like me. I have sold thousands upon thousands of items on Amazon and people would think that I'm like a major company, which is not. And that's how most of it is. I think the last I heard was 60 or 70% of the items that are sold on Amazon, Amazon does not own any, uh, excuse me, does not own or hold any uh, inventory for. So they just act as the go-between. Exactly. They created the marketplace and then they allow people to sell on it. So it's like eBay really. And that, my friend, is how Amazon has made $96 billion in the last three months. I know it's been a hard time for many people during the pandemic. It has definitely not been a hard time for Jeff Bezos. No, not so much. Not with this. I don't know if the divorce is still going on. So he might have lost some money too. (laughs) But $96 billion. So let me just break it down and put it into layman's terms. That means that if you made a dollar a day, it would take you 96 billion days to make that money. 
Did you did that help understand it a little bit better? I don't know if that math works out. I have to double check that. <laughs> One of the things that I always try to tell people I know when it comes to Amazon, make sure that if you have a problem with the product and you know that it's not just uh, a bad product that you got, go and rate the seller. A lot of people don't know this, but they you rate the seller, that will get you a much better response than rating the product. Because as a somebody who sold products on Amazon, if somebody rated that product or their, their, their experience poorly under the product, it just makes the product look like it's bad. If you come to my seller page and say, hey, the seller had a problem, then suddenly you're going to get a response from me. And Amazon's also going to ding my account and potentially kick me off. So you're going to get a much better response if you go directly to the seller to complain. I was going to say that would that would probably raise the ire and the attention of the folks at Amazon. It raises the ire of my account. <laughs> they right. don't care as much as those, they'll kick my account off and somebody else will come along and sell it. But if you go to a lot of uh, the pages for Amazon products, or not products made by Amazon, but just products on Amazon, you see people complain about the delivery of it and everything like that. And that has nothing to do with that product and they're rating the system wrong. Apparently, two of the names that uh, Bezos was thinking about when he first came up with Amazon, we know why he came up with Amazon. He wanted it because it begins with A and has Z in it and all that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. two, two of the other names that he came up with that he was thinking about, one of them was Relentless relentless.com. Had you heard that? Yep. And I have. I've, I've read the book. <laughs> well, you read the book. And the funny thing is, I didn't know this part, that if you type relentless.com into a search engine today, it'll take you to Amazon. That is a relentless marketing scheme, I think. They, yeah, they still they <laughs> still have it. And the other one is makeitso.com. Now, that one I don't remember hearing. That's interesting. To be fair to uh, to Jeff Bezos back in that time, you're talking about when one of the major search websites was Ask Jeeves. So we weren't doing so well with naming sites back then. That is true. That is very, very true. As someone who knows a lot about Amazon, you might know the answer to this question. What is the largest category, the largest category of product on Amazon? The largest, largest product? Oh, man. I, at one time, I did know this because I was doing research on where I wanted to get products. Um, I think it's actually like homewares or something like that. I don't remember. Ironically enough, it's still books. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. There, there's 44.2 million products. And so that makes books still the largest category on Amazon, which is funny because, of course, Amazon started largely as a book company. Uh, and then, of course, expanded out to include absolutely everything on the planet. But uh, people still think about it, number one, as books. And I wonder if that also has to do with the number of Kindle downloads would, would count as that as well. Oh, absolutely. But I also think that what you're looking at there is Amazon's absolute domination in a specific category. There's like no other bookstore. So of course, they're going to be a major book player. Yeah, that's true, man. Let's let's go down to our nearest Barnes and Noble. Oh, yeah. You remember those days? <laughs> well, then again, I mean, the funny thing is, even if Amazon hadn't had done it for them, the, the pandemic probably would have done it for them this year as well. Like, I, I don't know how things are looking down there. But here in Toronto, we actually have uh, Starbucks closing, which is unheard of before this year. They, they've they been doing a lot of very interesting things uh, to try to keep businesses going here. They are doing a lot of outdoor stuff, but including Starbucks, where like you go... I ordered Starbucks uh, online um, when pumpkin spice lattes first came back in. You know, you got to get it first pumpkin spice latte of the autumn season. Uh, (laughs) And so we went to go get it and they're just standing outside yelling names. And so you can't even get in the store. They're just like in this like kind of breezeway, just yelling people's names. And I just happened to walk up right when they called the name and I walked, grabbed it and we're gone. I'm like, this should be the way it is all the time. I like this. <laughs> Unfortunately, not everywhere I could do the same thing, because as you can possibly, as you can imagine, the uh, the climate of uh, of Miami is a little bit different from the climate of Toronto. So right now we're kind of pushing the limit as to what constitutes an outdoor patio. 
<laughs> so people are sort of building these outdoor patios and everyone's sitting on them, shivering, but having their nice pumpkin spice lattes. Well, see, that's the benefit, though. This year, you have multiple reasons not to want to go outside. <laughs> Thing three. Thing number three. The town of Asbestos, Quebec, has finally chosen a new name. This has actually been going on for a while now. In fact, one might say this has been pretty much the most divisive election in North America this year. Wouldn't you agree? At least the one that I've been alive for, certainly. <laughs> uh, this is a town in, in Quebec, and it was named Asbestos. It was named in uh, 1897 because, of course, they discovered this substance, asbestos, which was mined. Uh, they were The town thrived on the asbestos mining and the, and the manufacturing of the product. Uh, and lo and behold, we know how the story ends. The, the substance turned out to be extremely toxic. It was uh, once very widely used in insulation. It's been banned in most places around the world. It's certainly been banned in Canada since 2018. The fibers can sort of get trapped in your body and cause genetic damage and cancer and various other things. And consequently, this lovely, actually charming town of asbestos did not want to be known pretty much as the cancer of Quebec. And so they decided to pitch a few new names and they pitched uh, four original proposals. One of them was Apollone, I guess, A-P-A-L-O-N-E. I'm not sure if that's Apollone, Apollone. My wife is French. I should probably get this right. Um, one of them was Jeffrey. One of them was Phoenix. And one of them was Trois Lacs or the Three Lakes. But most of those did not meet with tremendously positive reviews. The first one, Apollone, was actually an indigenous species of turtle. And there were many people who did not want to be living in soft turtle city. So <laughs> they finally reached an agreement just a few weeks ago. And so now they have a brand new lovely name, Val de Source, the valley of basically the river. I think that's a missed opportunity. I would have kept asbestos myself, but... Well, I mean, the interesting thing is there are many, many towns around the world that do have these unique, interesting names that do capitalize on those names. Some of them are ashamed of their names, as asbestos would be. Now, something like asbestos, you can imagine you would be ashamed of the name because it's not like something that's fun and funny like some of the other places. Like like we all know places like uh, there's a place in, in Newfoundland called Dildo, Newfoundland. I don't know if you've ever heard about Dildo, Newfoundland. Climax, Pennsylvania. I, I mean, Pennsylvania has Climax and Intercourse both. Now, those are fun, right? People will have fun with those and they'll say, oh, look, I'm in Climax, Pennsylvania. I'm in, I'm in Dildo, Newfoundland. But no one's going to say, hey, look, I'm in Cancerville, Quebec. I would definitely take a photo uh, right at the border of asbestos uh, with like coughing, you know, do something <laughs> like that. I would do that. But again, I'm not the type of uh, tourist they want anyways. I'll bet, I'll bet nobody else ever thought about doing that in asbestos. I, they should. That, that's exactly <laughs> why. If you get a uh, postcard from asbestos, you know what I mean? It's got like a little bit of fuzzy dust on it or something like that. That'd be great. This is how you turn that into something positive for the town. It's funny because renaming towns is not something that happens very often. But one of the things that's happened very frequently in, in the last 10 or 15 years uh, is that towns have started to change their names for commercial purposes to try to draw people in. There was a town in Montana. I don't know if you heard this story. Remember Joe Montana? Yeah. Quarterback Joe Montana? Yep. Back in 1993, there was a town in Montana that changed their name to Joe Montana just for a month. After Montana was traded to the Chiefs, they decided to name the town Joe Montana, but just for a month, just for fun. And there are other places that have named. There's, there's Half.com Oregon which was named after a startup company, America's first dot-com city. 
uh, secretsanta.com, Idaho. These are places that changed their name, not because they reminded anyone of cancer, but because they wanted to make an extra little bit of revenue. I'm all for it. If you live in some small rural town, what else do you have going for you other than the small town life and getting to name your uh, your city something ridiculous? Go for it. Well, you could name your city. Uh, you could name your city. There's a place uh, called Bigger, Saskatchewan. Have you heard about Bigger? No, I have not. B i g g a r is the name of the town, Bigger, Saskatchewan, which is you know it's sort of a moderately amusing name. But one of the reasons why it is relatively well known is that uh, the sign outside of the town which is now the town motto says New York is big, but this is bigger. (laughs) And that actually was, it was created in 1914. There was a survey crew who painted that onto a town sign. It was just like a a little drunken prank that they did. Uh, And it sort of stayed that way. No one took the sign down. And then in 1954, they finally just said, ah, you know what? Screw it. Let's just just make that our town name. So now the town, uh, the town of bigger Saskatchewan, when you drive into it, you see the sign there that says New York is big but this is bigger. See, that's the way you go. I think that's how you do it. If you poke fun at yourself, everybody will love you for it. You become part of the joke. I am always interested to see how they actually got these names and why they thought this was a good idea to go with in the first uh, first one. Such as? Uh, gay Head. Oh, I heard about Gay Head. I was looking at, yeah, yeah gay, where is Gay Head? Well, it depends on what part of the internet you're on. Sure, but, um, sure, fair enough. Let's, let's, <laughs> for purposes of this, it's in Massachusetts. Well, it was in Massachusetts. They did rename it. And they said it was named that because of the, and this is in quotes, gaily colored cliffs. So that, you know, gay, of course, meaning happy and bright and just positivity and everything like that. And they looked at the city and they go, it has a bunch of cliffs that are really positive looking. Let's call it gay head. It's now called Aquina. It's called what? Aquina? I think it's Aquina. A-Q-U-I-N-N-A-H. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah. You know what? Gay head certainly would have done the trick for a number of people. Do you know, you you know, Nome, Alaska, right? Uh, I'm not intimately familiar with that. I can't say. Gnome, uh, a lot of people don't know. When you think gnome, how would you think that it's spelled? G-N-O-M-E. Right, because we think about a garden gnome. In fact, the name Gnome, Alaska is actually spelled N-O-M-E, just Gnome, Alaska. And a lot of people have speculated as to how it got its name. And one of the way, there's sort of a couple of theories on how it got its name. My favorite theory is that it was actually a a, a cartographic error, which is that a British cartographer uh, just sort of copied an annotation made made on a nautical chart, didn't know the name of this town and wrote name, question mark, as if like, what's the name of this place? And the next person who looked at the map thought that it said that the A was an O and it said Gnome. And they just said, oh, okay, the name of this town is Gnome. And that's how it got its name. That's great. There's a lot of... That would be a really fun story to read more than I think say, because you're talking about the gnome name and just keep switching back and forth with one letter difference. Although my my absolute favorite town name when I was looking up the town names after asbestos, because some some towns capitalize on their name, right? You have bigger, I think Dildo probably capitalizes on their name. I'm sure Intercourse and Climax probably capitalize on their name. And you have asbestos that wants to change its name for obvious reasons. You have Gayhead that wants to change its name for eh, maybe more ambiguous reasons. But then my personal favorite uh, is fucking Austria. That's <laughs> that's the name of the town. There's a name of a town and it's still called this and it's called fucking Austria. It is only a town of about 100 people, but as you can imagine, it has become quite celebrated amongst the English speaking world. No one really in the town knew that it had any particular importance up until World War II and then in World War II when a bunch of English speaking soldiers from Britain and the United States 
were stationed nearby in Austria, they were all like, oh my gosh, look at the name of this town. It's called fucking. That's incredible. I think it's great when your city name and the way you would describe your city is the same thing. It's awesome. <laughs> well, the problem that they had, and I'm sure that there are many towns around the world that can, uh, that can sympathize with this problem, was that people kept stealing their signs. The signs, everyone would come and they would they would steal the signs that just said, you know, you drive into the town and it just says fucking as you drive into the town and people would steal them. And so consequently, in 2005, they decided to make these signs become theft resistant so people could not steal them. I don't know how they did it. I would love to know what they did to turn these signs into theft resistant signs. But you can imagine that there are hundreds of, of tourists around the world right now that have an authentic fucking sign in their home. Unfortunately, I did have experience with that in my uh, back in my hometown. There was a place called uh, South Park. There's like a little neighborhood called South Park, and they ah. had to do the same thing because South Park got big right around that time, and then like early, uh, excuse me, mid '90s or whatever. And so they kept stealing your signs. So people will steal signs for very stupid reasons. There was uh, there was a rumor that they were actually going to change the name because of it, but uh, it was just a false rumor. Uh, the the mayor of fucking denied these rumors when contacted. You know what? <laughs> That's the job you I, want. How do you even write a report about this? You know what I mean? It's sort of like when people were, were talking about Shit's Creek on, on regular non-cable news. Yeah. It's amazing how we can sort of kind of get away. And here's your final pop quiz for you. If you are someone from the town of fucking Austria, what do we call you? What 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 kind of person? For example, from Toronto, of course, I'm a Torontonian. Uh, you are in Miami, correct? Correct, yeah. Actually, what is a, is a Miami, Miamiite? Miamiere? Uh, I don't Miami, know. Miamian? I, I don't want to be associated with that, so I have no idea. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting question. Okay, so if you're, from, what would your guess be if you're from fucking? I really hope it's fucker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really. Wouldn't hope it be it's nice? It's it's sort of like if you're from Lesbos, you're actually a Lesbosian as much as you would like to assume it's something else. Um, no, if you're from fucking, you are a fuckinger. That's not that different. I like it. I'm with it. Although I will say, I'm, I'm also pronouncing it a little bit oddly. It's actually it should be pronounced fucking. I think fucking. We have to get we have to get the Austrian in there. You can certainly try, but there's no way that's going to catch on. <laughs> no, not not as much as asbestos. It turns out we have some breaking news from this episode. So we record the show about three to four weeks in advance. So Brandon and I recorded this episode a few weeks ago. And lo and behold, it turns out just a week or two ago, the town of fucking decided to change its name. As we mentioned in the show, they were talking about it, but it was just a matter of rumor. It turns out those rumors were indeed correct. So as of January 1st, 2021, the town will now be known as Fugging, F-U-G-G-I-N-G, which, as I mentioned in the show, does reflect the pronunciation that most people in the town prefer. Apparently, they just got tired of the notoriety. There is, however, no news about the possible name changes to the nearby hamlets of Oberfucking and Unterfucking. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Brandon, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Tell us about your show. 
Absolutely. So my podcast is conversations with interesting people or to the best of my ability, interesting people that don't include me. Oh, man, I'm, that means I'm never going to be on it. <laughs> One of these days, we'll get you there. Uh, well, maybe move to fucking. Uh, <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> uh, so uh, just some examples of my guests. I had a reality TV star. I've got a friend of mine who's a UFC fighter. And I mean, really in the actual UFC, not just an MMA fighter. And I also just had a, uh, a PhD, a doctor of sociology who came on to discuss uh, race relations and things like that. So it's fun. We have a lot of different type of conversations. I always crack bad jokes in the most serious of moments. So come listen to that. And yours is a video podcast, correct? Correct. We do have video and audio. So it's starting nowhere on YouTube and it's also starting nowhere on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See, this is why I have the the audio because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, as handsome a guy as you are and no one can see. He's, mo- trust me, most of the people who watch my show on YouTube don't want to see my face either, but they don't have a choice. <laughs> do you have any socials you want to throw our way? Nope, not right now. I'm, I'm doing this uh, organic and just doing it through straight uh, organic traffic through Spotify and YouTube. So I'll start some socials maybe next year and then maybe I'll come back on and we'll do it again. All right. You, you want to come back on the show sometime? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love this. This is great. Love to have you, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. What's the most interesting thing you've seen on the internet this week? Fact? Article? Something else? We want it. Email us at 3interestingthings at gmail.com. Follow our Instagram at 3, that's the number 3, interesting things. Or tweet it to us at 3interesting. You'll get a shout-out on the show.